Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome to podcast number 189 of Loving the Christ Life. So happy you could be with us today, and especially during this wonderful teaching session of Warren Litzman's On the Cross. Let's get right into it. This will be part number 10 of The Cross, and here's Warren. Neither one of these deep roots have anything to do with what has happened in this world. Neither one of them have anything to do with the devil. But they have to do with you. One of the deep roots is Ephesians 1 and 4, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. And the other deep root, sustaining this great tree of knowledge, is the Lamb slain before the foundation of the world. These are the two things that sustain the final gospel. The other gospel in the scriptures, the kingdom message, is sustained by what's happened on this earth. It's held up and supported by what happened after Adam sinned. Therefore, the kingdom message is an earthly message. It has to do with the restoring of the earth that was lost when Adam committed his sin. So the whole kingdom message revolves around the fact that God is going to restore this earth. He's going to take the curse off of it in the millennium. There'll be no more thorns on roses and the lion and the lamb will lay down together and no more death and this sort of thing. All of that is but the restoral of Adam, what he lost. It's earthly. But the roots of the doctrine of grace were planted before the earth was created, so it has nothing to do with the earth, has nothing to do with the things that take place on this earth. While the things that take place on this earth have been great to us and we are restored and delivered out of those things by grace, still grace was contemplated by God on His part long before He created this world because He knows all. He's a knower. He knows everything. He knew what would be necessary to finally get Him a group of people to come and live in His house. And so He planned it perfectly from the beginning. Then the question comes up, why in this world would God mess around with Adam and this earth if that was not to be the final goal in God's mind? Well, that answer is very simple. Without the earthly contamination, curse, and our involvement in it, we would never form a love affair. We would never know to love God. We would take Him for granted. The Bible says God is love. He is love. He doesn't give love. He is love. He's personified love. And all love ever demands is return of love. It demands no gifts, it demands no money, it demands no talent. It demands nothing but a return of love. That is true love. 
when two people truly love each other, there is no demand on that love but return of love. That's all God ever wanted. Well, He knew that unless He had a plan that didn't work properly, that would be flawed, but would be necessary to push people to a love affair with Him. And so He has allowed two Gospels to be in the Scriptures. We make a choice. The deeper you go in the Lord the more you come to the knowledge that the things of this world and this earth matter little. And that's good. Because that's breaking you into this love affair. Earthly people, people in the kingdom message love God, they sing about it and all. But they still want to add their two cents to it. They still can't believe that the love of God is sufficient they believe they must have faith to make it work. And faith is important. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But you move on from that. We move from faith to trust. So one of these deep roots had to do with the lamb slain, which takes us to the cross, which has been my subject during this conference, the cross. It is my intent, by what I say, to help you know how deep this root is in God's plan. It's deep. Somebody said to me one time, why don't you celebrate the Feast of Pentecost more? Because the Feast of Pentecost came in under the earthly message. All Jewish feast or earthly. But when I come to the cross, I'm not in an earthly message. I'm in a message that is attuned to heaven. Something that had nothing to do with this earth. Something that was in God's mind when He created everything. Knowing that one day this would have to take place. My relationship with God is not based on earthly history. My relationship with the Lord is not based on Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It isn't based on Noah. It isn't based on Daniel. It isn't based on Isaiah. Wonderful writers, all God-anointed people. But my relationship with God is not based on them or anything they have to say other than when they speak of Christ. My relationship to God is based on Jesus in whom he has made my life, has joined to me, and has more joined me back to Father, to the Father. In the kingdom message, as Robbie spoke a while ago, God is not Father. He's still Almighty God. In grace, he becomes a father with a whole different understanding of God. A young lady said to me not long ago, she said, the greatest blessing I've gotten out of the Christ life message is that I was raised in a faith ministry. 
and said they had put such a fear of God in me that I was hardly afraid to do anything for fear that I'd trespass against God. And then she said it broke to me in the Christ-like message that God had put his seed in me, which made him more than Almighty God or Jehovah. It made him my father. And she said that's when Christianity really broke in my life. There's a deep root of the law I often refer to. But that comes out of the earthly message. This message of a lamb slain from the foundation of the world comes out of heaven. It's not based on what happened on this earth. It's based on a relationship between a lamb and a father, between Christ and his father. And I want you to know more and more about that. I want you to let the Holy Spirit teach you more about that. Because you can live a lifetime on this earth and never come to the reason why you're here or the reason why God will take you out of here. We've come to a point in the message of the cross to where we need to go to the cross and take a good look at it. <clears throat> What's going on during these hours that Jesus hangs on the cross? What all is taking place in eternity? What's taking place in the plan of God? This lamb slain before the foundation of the world has deep roots into everything God's doing in grace. And I want you to have a feeling for that. I want you to be able to feel and see what it is that's taking place. So today we're going to stand on Calvary's Hill. We're going to go to Golgotha, and we're just going to look around there and see what it is that's going on. I want you to go with me to the cross First, I want to talk about what we see, what you and I see. Had we been there that day on Calvary, the day he died, what would we have seen? What would it have been all about? Here hangs the lamb. Here hangs God in the flesh. Here hangs the Savior of the world. Dirty, filthy, bleeding. What's our take on what we see there? Let's talk about it. As a Christian, the first thing I see when I look up at the cross is the power of sin and death. I see the power of sin and the results of sin. Sinners living in this world will never know the results of sin if they don't go to Calvary. If they don't go to Calvary, they will know the results of sin in hell. 
But that's another message. But it is at the cross that you get a good picture of what sin is. He bears our sins and transgressions in his body. I see the results of sin because it has never happened to me quite like that. Sinners don't see sin. They see themselves. I had to do this. This is the way I am. I have to react like this. An alcoholic says, well, I just like the liquor. I drink it. I've asked people who are dying with emphysema why they continued smoking. And they would say, well, I like it. And if that's the way I have to die, that's the way I'll die. You see, we don't really see the results of sin in ourselves. We have no feeling for it. But as we stand and look up at the cross, we have a mind that thinks this is God, the Son of God. He came to this earth voluntarily. He healed the sick. He cast out devils. He blessed all the people. And look what end that brought him. So we have two ideas converging. One of them is he's perfect. The other is he becomes imperfect. He's perfect for God's ministry in part to us. He's imperfect because of us. And these two things converge together at the cross. And when I look up at the cross and him hanging there, my first thought is this is my first real look at sin. This is sin personified in a person. This is somebody that has taken the sin of every human being, put it in his body, and let it be expressed in his body. Expressed, come out. We see it. You see, God could have done a thousand other things to save this world. But he had to make known the violence and the awfulness of sin. And so he put it in a body. Made a picture of it so that we could see sin. It is too bad that we don't see that sin more often. I have been told that the reason why we don't have a Savior shedding blood on the crosses we wear and so forth, I think Romanism has a lot of the blood of Calvary shown in their pictures, but we don't have it much because we say, well, we believe more in the resurrection. But that's another story too. If you don't know what sin is, you have to look at the cross. If you don't understand your failure to obey God, you have to look at the cross. Because the thing primarily that got Jesus on that cross as far as the earth is concerned is because one man disobeyed God, our forefather. His sin passed upon all of us. 
and all of us have his genes in that we disobey God ourselves and often. We wouldn't know that or see that if it were not for the horribleness that takes place at the cross. So when I look at the cross, I see sin. How did Paul react to that? Our text is in Galatians 6, verse 14. He says, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. What a statement that is. Most of us have yet to come to the reality of that statement. When we look at the cross, it says two things. You are crucified to the world. The world doesn't matter anymore. You stepped into the eternities with a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And the world doesn't mean anything anymore. You mean nothing to the world, and the world means nothing to you. That's what should be seen at the cross. When we glory in the cross, we see the world diminished. This was a very literal thing to Christ. And I've never been able to perfectly tie it all together. But if I'm not mistaken, in the Lord's Prayer in John 17... Five times he mentions the world, each time negatively. He says at least two times, I pray not for the world. My interest is not the world. Isn't that strange? Now, that's his sight of the world. God's sight of the world was different. For God so loved the world. But Jesus said, I pray not for the world. But now a remarkable thing happens at the cross. Paul says that the world is crucified unto us. What does that mean? It's lost its power to conquer us. The world can't conquer us. The world is crucified. What does that mean further? It means that the world is under subjection to God's plan. It isn't the devil's world. He'd like to claim it. A lot of people would like to give it to the devil. But God's still in control. This world was crucified, lost its power, its ultimate power. World is crucified. Don't ever get it in your mind that God's turned loose of this world. You know how long He's going to control this world like it's going on now? A little good, a little bad, everything balancing out, nothing ruling or reigning, no Antichrist turned loose, no plagues turned loose, uh, no tribulation powers turned loose in our world. You know why? The world was brought under subjection to the cross. Why was that? Because this world will keep knocking along, little good, little bad, until God gets the last child he wants to birth. 
has nothing to do with Israel, has nothing to do with the Antichrist, has nothing to do with what we call the end time. The end time has to do with Jesus back on this earth. You and I are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. A rapture will take place, as we say. That's the end for us, but that's not the end of this world by any means. We'll be raptured, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Why? We're a special group of people. We're saved by grace. We're birthed by the Father. We belong in His house. The earthlings will stay here. Now that means a lot of people in the kingdom message are going to be caught up in the rapture, even though a lot of them don't believe in it. But that's God's grace too. When will that time come that the world will be brought back under the devastation and destruction of our Lord like it'll be in the tribulation period? When does a time come that that starts? When he gets the last one to be saved. Nobody knows that. Nobody knows when the end comes for the church. Nobody knows when we'll be called home. But we'll go when the Father has all He wants to fill up His house. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever let anything come between. Not the devil, not prophecy. So many people get warped by prophecy. Prophecy does not rule the church. Prophecy does not rule the born again. We have no prophecy. I've said that again and again. In the Bible, there is no prophecy for the born again believer except the rapture. He did say that was going to take place. So the world is crucified. And when I look at Jesus, I see a world that is brought under subjection by God through the death of His Son. But equally, I'm crucified to the world. What does that mean? It means that the world should have no power over me. It'll take power over me. It may even destroy me. But in my mind, it'll never have power over me. So the Lord laid down a lot of different ideas there that we're, uh, e even if we could be destroyed in body, we're never destroyed in our spirit. So when I look at the cross, I glory in it. Because I see God's plan. I see that if God said before he created the world that lamb would die, I see God's word perfect. There he is, hanging on a cross, bearing my sin. Well, we've got to stop here. Our time is up for today. But next week, we will pick up right here where we left off on this wonderful study of the cross from Warren Litzman. Now, don't forget to check out our website. It's Christ-Life.org, Christ-Life.org. Read all about us, go to the bookstore, and look at the wonderful material that Warren left behind. Studies just like this one you're listening to now. Books, videos, it's all there for your home. So please check it out. Christ-Life.org. Our thanks to Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go into the archives each week. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does the weekly podcast notes. And the program is produced each and every week by the wonderful Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson. 
Loving the Christ Life.